When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Here we are with the Bozos. It's the Bozo <laughs> Bus, the Palazzo Podcast. Prospects Power Hour with my men, Big Gentle Ben, Ben Chase, and Mr. Robbie Baseball at Robbie Baseball One. How are you gentlemen doing this evening? I'm doing great. It's excellent. It's happy 40, to be here. It's four, 45 degrees outside in South Dakota. So, I mean, snow's melting. How can life get much worse? Shut the front better. door. Yeah. You, you can get out in the world, man. That's amazing. I, I went out without a coat. So, you know, that's cool. <laughs> oh, there we go. In January. Living in January. dangerously. Yeah, there you what go. What about you, Mr. Baseball? How are you doing? How's the weather in Canada? It's good. On my way to uh, your great nation yesterday, we were watching the snow, the closer to the border, melt and lessen and lessen and the flooding increasing and increasing. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, when I was at hockey last night, you know, the Canadian national pastime, that and lacrosse, uh, got to play one of them. So I'm playing hockey. Um, some moron showed up wearing shorts. And I said, how how very Canadian of you, Will. Uh, who <laughs> also, he led the team in turnovers last night. So. We don't need to get into the hockey just of it, but uh, yeah, but things are good. You know, good weather and happy, of course, to be talking baseball tonight with you guys. I like hearing that. I'm out in the Northwest and we had uh, temperatures in the low 50s today. So I'm with you, Ben. Like it was it was nice out. I, I didn't mm-hmm. have to wear my long johns or a big heavy coat. I just had my hoodie on. So that was nice. And I'm also excited to talk about baseball. Uh, as everybody watching and listening knows, this is the Prospects Power Hour, and we've got a t- couple of heavy hitters here at the Palazzo Podcast crew that are going to break down three organizations for you tonight. And before we got together, each one of them came up with their top three and their next three for the Miami Marlins, for the Cleveland Guardians, and for the Los Angeles Angels. Uh I don't know if the Angels really have a farm system, but I mean, we. Oh my God! A little. Oh, bit. Come on! They got so <laughs> many. They got so many. I know it's <laughs> it's thick and deep, right? So we're going to be talking about some of these players having a little back and forth banter, and I'm going to throw in a couple names that my gentleman missed out on, and I have some questions for why they didn't feel Ooh, like, like it. they didn't have these people in their listing. So. We're going to start out with the Miami Marlins. I'm just going to jump Ooh. right in. Are you guys ready to get, get down and dirty? Are you yeah. guys ready to just yeah. get in? I mean, just a second. Hold on. While. Oh, he's yeah, okay, got to yeah. open the beer. No, yeah. I'm good yep. to go. All right. <laughs> I got my coffee. I live dangerously at night. So. 
I'll take like the indigestion. That. You take the uh, caffeine. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'll, I'll be switching to whiskey next. Yeah. Um, but we have uh, the Miami Marlins, who uh, their front office has gone through some changes in the last year. Kim Ng uh, left, uh, and they are a very – they're known for their pitching. They're a very pitching-heavy uh, major league roster that goes seven, eight deep, depending on who you think is going to come back this year. Uh, but their minors are also stacked with some pitching, as you gentlemen have demonstrated in your list. We're going to start out with uh, Mr. Robbie Baseball tonight. Robbie, I want you to talk to me about who your top three are. Just just hit me with them, one, two, three, and give me, you know, say what you want. Say as much or as little as you want about them. Okay. Um, the theme for tonight in general with all the teams is um, it's an arms race. So with the Marlins, we've got Max Mayer. Uh, we've got Thomas White, the lefty, and we've got Noble Mayer or Meyer. I don't care about the pronunciation. I picked all names I could at least spit out tonight to some degree um, <laughs> after the last big three debacle. Uh, you know, I was looking for anybody whose name had a Smith in it. Uh, a junior, I would accept something very basic. But anyway, no, those guys aside, uh, you know, we've got, what is it? A, a 23, sorry, 24-year-old and Noble Um a, 19, a couple 19-year-old guys out of last year's draft class. Miami drafted uh, to their strength, which has been developing pitching. I think that's agreeable. And bringing in a righty and a lefty who are going to be able to give great looks. You know, they've done good things with uh, Yuri Perez. And up until the debut, we really liked Meyer in the MLB, and then he got hurt. And what happens when a prospect gets hurt? Boom, they're off the list because the next year's draft class comes up and everyone's excited about them. And as a fresh new scouting report, and then, you know, a year later, everyone's thinking, oh, right, right, that guy. Um, but we don't know anymore what we've got, and we don't know what that arm's going to do. So I always like to think, let's give it 18 months, but let's not leave off, uh, or sorry, let's not move them away from where they were. Let's leave that hype where it is. So I, I like these three guys. Um, and I mean, Miami's done such a good job of in-house uh, development that having these three guys, one on the cusp and two just entering the system puts them in a great spot. I agree. Uh, ben, give me your top three because I believe they're pretty similar. I, in fact, they are exactly the same. Um, yes. Two shows in so a row. We've had we one pair. We've had at least one pairing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about my boy Max Meyer because, quite frankly, I, I'm a huge stan. I'm I myself went to the University of Minnesota, um, so I always Go follow. Gophers. Yeah, I always follow the Gopher boys as they come out. But Max was on a very different level from any Gopher I've been able to follow. The guy, I don't know if you guys remember that Oregon State team that had Adley Rutschman and. Um, Nick Madrigal, and I mean, they were just, they were yep. freaking stacked. And they got to the College World Series on the back of a freshman starter named Kevin Abel. They blew his freaking arm out in the College World Series, but they got there on the back of this kid. Kevin Abel and Max Meyer to go to the College World Series went toe for toe for seven. And it was probably the most dominant back to back or like, one on mano y mano pitching matchup I've seen in college in a long freaking time until this year when Lauder and uh, Skeens tried to go head to head. That was a hell of a matchup. That's probably the first time I've been more impressed with two pitchers in the college level than this game. And Meyer was a legit two way guy. And in fact, in the 2020 draft, when you talk to scouts, 
every scout I talked to about the draft said, if you asked him who's the most athletic guy in the draft, brought up Max Meyer. And that's a pitcher. I mean, this yeah. guy is a legit athlete. Um, yeah, he's six foot tall, but I he is such a hardworking athlete. I have every confidence he's going to be back in some way, shape, or form. He might not be the guy who has a 70 fastball and an 80 slider anymore. But if he suddenly has a 60, a 60, and, you know, people forget his changeup was graded as a above average to even plus before he got hurt. He just never needed to use it because the fastball and slider were so freaking good. If and I, he comes back with three got pitches that are legit plus-ish, you're talking about a guy who's easily a mid-rotation starter. Right. And I think that that's important to bring up his athleticism because he is a really tiny pitcher uh, for what you consider to be a frontline starter, somebody who's going to mm-hmm. be dominant, throw innings, strike people out, you know, carry the burden of the team on their shoulders. Uh, he reminds me of Billy Wagner. Uh, for some reason, I just, I see that tiny guy, but I, I'm with you that he is a starter and I think he's going to be a great starter. Um, go, coming into this episode, when I was looking around, most all places have Noble Meyer as the more uh, tantalizing prospect to roster in our game than Max Meyer. And I think that just goes to show that you guys really like those players that have already gotten to the majors, that have shown that there's there's some, some rubber to the road, that they're actually performing against uh, yeah. high-level people. So, uh, Robbie, do you want to throw anything in on Thomas White? You, you liked him number two. Why do you like him more than Noble Meyer? So in, in this particular scenario that I'm working with here, I'm given the edge to the lefty over the righty. Um, it was one of those astute signings that teams will do at times where, you know, we're going to draft you here with the intention of having some cash to throw your way. We don't, you know, we want to put you in the system and Hey, look, look at who your teammate could be coming up all the way. Let's see that guy that was going, you know, high end of the draft that we, we got him too. We got a buddy for you. Um, but I feel like that the approach that he could have, and if I, I didn't write down his size, which was good of me, um, six, four, I, I, I was gonna say he was in the six, four club. Thank you. Um, so he's in that like long length, long lanky, mm-hmm. um, category. And one of the advantages that we're going to have is watching him come up. Um, the only, the only issue that I could see, of course, is either one of these guys stumble and they end up not, competing with each other, which I'm hoping is the idea, you know, Miami starts them off, whatever they're going to do, if they're going to do a little complex or then get them to Florida state league, wherever they're going to go with these guys, keep them together and have simultaneous promotions. So they're pushing one another. Um, But I really like the idea of white as the lefty having a little bit of the edge as we continue to see these guys develop because it's a high school arm. And if you're, you know, coming from Florida or you're coming from New Jersey, you've got the ability naturally to have more innings on your arm. Um, but the showcase circuit in the northern part of the country, as I've been learning a little bit more about guys in and around me, there's a team 20 minutes from me uh, in Stratford that regularly every other week is going somewhere in the States for tournament ball. Um, so the, these guys get a ton of innings on their arms no matter what. I'm just going to stick with white on the hunch and the lefty advantage. That's all it mm-hmm. is because it's really a coin flip. They're so far away at this point. Um, it's not a clear to me one over the other. There's, the high school class was really good this year. And I think in five years, I'm going to really hate myself when none of them have done diddly. <laughs> well, <laughs> somebody smarter than me said that there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. So, yeah. you know, 10 snap yep. all day. Uh, <clears throat> let's go real quickly. Uh, 
Ben, uh, or actually, let's again stay with you, Robbie. I want to hear your next three. Uh, and again, sure. give me, give me, say the name, and then give me, give me a line. Tell me, just give me a little feeder on them. Unless Absolutely. you're one of these three. Uh, I've got Fabian Lopez as one of my next. I've got Dax Fulton, lefty pitcher. Uh, sorry, Lopez is a switch hitting uh, shortstop, and Victor. Mesa Jr., uh, lefty <laughs> outfielder, 22-year-old. This isn't the brother that everybody remembers from, I think it was 2019, J2, the Victor Victor Mesa. This was Victor Mesa Jr., the one the dad likes so much, he just said, just Victor for you, son, because that's what you'll be, Victor Aureus. <laughs> um, and he has come along very well. He's a good OBP guy, and he also had that hush about him because he was the brother, as we've heard about, you know, with the Tatises and the Acunas, where they're the family, the second cousin, you know, sure, the whatever. Yes. We know about them from that, but we don't really know what they're doing. Well, I had Victor Mesa Jr. in several dynasty leagues. I've still got him in a couple um, because he's just come along slowly. You know, as we've watched Victor Victor fail, we've seen Victor Mesa slowly move his way up. And he's getting now he's at the point of double A. I could he could get triple A this year. And when he's in age 24 season in 2025, I think he could be knocking on the door. And Miami does move bodies. They kind of they're a little conflicting as far as their uh, minors development, like you think a guy's naturally progressing and then they, you know, give an extension to some bag of dicks that uh, should have been <laughs> cut and, and they stick around, they get 400 at bats and, and the position's blocked. So uh, with Victor Mesa jr. I'm hoping there is a spot for him going back a step uh, teammate at double a Dax Fulton lefty. He's just like a dreamy arm. I guess, I guess I got a, a weird thing with lefties at the moment, but um, it's the off season. It's cold here and uh, I got to find something to do with my time to warm me up and dreaming on a lefty in Miami is not a bad thing. Um, when it gets to Dax Fulton or sorry, when it gets to Fabian Lopez, uh, elite glove, lots of potential with a hit tool. He's six foot one eighty, Great starting point for a future shortstop uh, with the Marlins. You That's love it. the lefties, man. You just sing their I, praises. I, Good to know. I'm, I'm learning. It's going to get worse. We got more to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bring it on. Bring it on. Smother it all over. Ben, yeah. let's hear your uh, next three for Miami. So I brought in my first one is Yiddy Cappy, who I will admit that I'm a big fan of, but really not how the hell he performed this last year, because that was not the guy I was expecting. Um, there was a lot expected of him last year, Ben, and he just yeah. let, I think, a lot of Dynasty or whatever, just fantasy people and regular baseball fans down. Yep. The walk rate was crap compared to what he had been doing in the minors up to that point, which was really disappointing. Um, Dax Fulton is another one I have. I love the fact the kid is 6'7 and 235. And if you would, Easy. I mean, he, well, but the thing is, you look at him, and he's not—he's not Bartolo Colon, 235. Let's put it that way. Oh, um, seven. This, this, this is a kid who looks like he could just—I mean, frankly, he looks like if he'd get in the weight room a little bit, he might—he might be able to build up and become an offensive tackle. He's got wide shoulders, wide hips, um, and I just—I like what he does. He has a little bit of goofy funk in his delivery. But when you're six seven and he comes, he's like high three quarters to almost over the top delivery. That ball is so different coming at a player, and he hated the sticky stuff. His season got so his season would have gotten so much better if it, he would have been able to pitch more without the sticky stuff because he got about two starts without it. His command had come back, and then his elbow popped. So that's that's what you get. Um, 
the last one, and this is going to be a theme for me tonight, uh, kind of promoting what we're doing Wednesday. I have got one of the January 15th signees for every team on here tonight. Let's and go. for the Marlins, that is Luis Cova. And this is a guy who is like, you know, we're talking like fast as a light switch type of speed. And uh, he's picked up center field really well so far. He's got some of those instinct things that he's still learning, but he just moved to center field from shortstop last year. He'd been playing shortstop his whole life, moved to center field, and he gets everything. But a lot of that is because of his speed right now. But he's got some natural instinct already that I think could get better as he gets more reps. But this is a guy who's just got elite freaking speed. He can show really good contact in the in showcase stuff that they've done uh, for J15. I don't know if you're ever going to see him hit even double-digit home runs. But with that kind of defense, that kind of speed, he's going to have a spot in the major leagues. So I like it. If, you have his signing belt. I'm trying to find a signing bonus on my um, and I don't see it. One million dollars. <laughs> oh, I, I actually think he <laughs> Yeah, I, I he was he was sorry, low I, one millions, actually, I think, is what all he was. So I'm trying to I'm pulling it up real fast here. This is extremely exhilarating content right at the moment. So. It's worth it though. Oh. Because what's going to happen, we talked about it before, and we'll talk about it again when we have uh, Mr. Bather on with us, is how a lot of Dynasty players are like, what were what were they paid? Therefore, that is their value based on rank. Yep. Um, and I did, I, I've got some actual questions, not just about trucks for Ben Badler. I, I hope he likes trucks. <laughs> but um, snowplows too. Um, <clears throat> but... As to where he sees those high dollar guys, like, do they, yep. is that a created scenario? Like the agent scenario we've been seeing this off season play out, or is that an earned thing of like, you know, when they were 13, 14, they were the big dogs and they've just continued to get that big dog treatment. Like we see it in Canada at hockey, triple a players. They might not be the best um, by the time they hit Bantam, but when they were in, you know, peewee, they were the big dogs. So that clout has carried them through. Is that what's happened with some of these guys? Or do we really yeah. need to, look beyond like look at that dollar value and say like they're paying for da 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 because we know the failure rates super high with j2 guys but at the same time look at all the superstars in mlb right now like Once you know you gotta yeah, yeah you got so many that are j2 guys Punya. yeah, yeah. yeah. And now, uh, a lottery ticket you always want that to come out right yeah. like and that's yeah. i think we really see the lottery ticket approach with j2 signing so okay so kova was 1.4 million i I have okay. to so he may not myself. have been the highest with Miami, but he certainly was in. No, that no, top he, tier was their, guys. he was, he was their, their top, top guy. Okay. He was their top guy. All, Team all three of, all three of these guys tonight are going to be the top money guy for their organization. But okay. I think two of them got just over or got between one and one and a half million. So they're not like huge, huge spending type of guys. And mm-hmm. I will say. Miami has been good about this, but Cleveland is exceptionally good at spreading out their bonus pool. They have always done really well grabbing a whole bunch of guys at a hundred grand. And then every now and then one of them turns into Brian Rocio, you know, right. something like that. So, I don't, I don't know who that player is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Um, hey, real so. quick before we transition to the Guardians, that's the next club we're going to talk about. I want to bring up just a couple uh, players with Miami that neither of you brought up. They're both position players. One of them is a corner infielder, uh, I believe played. What's up, Mike V? How you doing? Uh, corner infielder, I believe played in the SEC in college. That would be Mr. Jacob Berry, who is in double A. Uh, and then also uh, a prospect who still has prospect standing, who made the majors oh. last year, a very slick hitting second baseman named Xavier Edwards. Any reason you guys left those two names off your list? Give me 30 seconds, Ben. Uh, I, w- I will tackle Barry because I actually did a deeper dive on him thinking maybe AFL was going to do something fun for him. And that swing is is jacked. It is completely jacked up right now. I think... I think there's still some legit chance that he could get to be a 230-25 guy, but he's a terrible defender. I mean, he was already a rough defender at, at third, and the guy is, he's six foot, and I think he was like just over 200 coming in, and it wouldn't surprise me if you tell me he's 235, 250 in that range. Yeah. Um, he's put on a, a lot of weight and not all of it good. And it's just, he's not striking out at a huge rate, but he's just, it's a terrible swing and he makes terrible contact. I mean, that's just, it's, it's really hard to watch. Okay. Fair enough. Robbie. Who, my, sorry. Who was the other failure? Xavier Edwards. Oh, that slapdick prospect. Um, <laughs> so yes. I, I have Edwards in one league that I refuse to move him in just because he's an athletic guy and I feel like there's potential, but I also feel like he is just slathered in not going to make it juice. And like he's had opportunities. He's done well in the minors, you know, like when, when Tampa Bay acquires a player, I'm always interested because they, they know what what's up when they trade a player away. I always really start to hesitate about the player's future. And when Edwards was moved, I thought, okay, Miami's uh, getting something that Tampa didn't want. And we watched the Randy Ayers arena trade was the real one that lit it off for me where it was like, why would they trade Libertor? What's going on? And then, you know, you see what Randy has become um, and you're watching, you know, Libertor trying to become a major league pitcher of some sort, not necessarily a starter anymore. Maybe we'll see, but um, it, it just seems like Edwards doesn't have a spot. And, it, and if he's going to, you know, suck not suck if he's going to not get consistent playing time over the next season or so because Miami wants to win and be competitive he's not a prospect I want to talk about for dynasty owners as much as I like the potential which is why I would keep him in one league but I would not hold him uh, I would not tell you to acquire him I just personally feel like he's not in a good spot within that organization right he gets shipped to KC Sure, you got a bit of potential. He could, you know, take second base from Michael Massey and whatever the hell they're doing signing. Um, oh my God, Adam Frazier. Hey. Adam Frazier, thank you. They're... Michael Massey's the real deal. You leave him alone. I'm not. I'm not against Michael Massey. I'm simply saying, if if I could have in my lineup Xavier Edwards or Michael Massey, I'm going to give Edwards the ball. Uh, Toronto, Mike could not use um, anyone <laughs> other than a new general manager. Uh, that's, what, that's what the Blue Jays could use the most. Um, okay. That's the first thing they need to do. And then they need um, a psychologist to go and talk to Alec Bonneau and find out what's up. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So Edward's a good player, but bad organization okay. for yeah. us in Dynasty. 
Okay. So let's, let's move over to Cleveland. Uh, this is where I think the most fun is going to be. I'm going to let Ben go first with his top three. Uh, this is where you guys don't agree at all. So Ben, give me your top Ooh. three. Have fun with this. All right. So for me, this is, uh, to me, there's two clear guys, and that's Chase DeLauder and Kyle Manzardo. DeLauder's probably in that top 30 to maybe even top 20 prospect discussion with the talent that he has. Manzardo, I guess I, I'll I'll take the take the L that you know if if I'm wrong on that one, but just the swing hey, looks like traded a swing that works. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm just. Um, and then my third I've got is Juan Brito. And we had this discussion last week with someone. Um, I don't know that this is going to ever be a guy that you are seeking out in Dynasty or in Fantasy. But I believe he's a guy that's going to end up as a major league player. He's a very consistent, very strong defender at multiple spots. But could be a really good one at second. And he's the type of guy that I think he's got excellent contact. He's going to be a guy that probably sits in your lineup, hits 280, 290, and doesn't do much else for you. But he's those the type opposite of, guys... of, of Arias. He's the opposite of Gabriel Arias to me. Yeah. Like yeah, Arias is defense first, and there could be some you know hits. Um, and then, yeah, Brito's like, I will hit, but please, God, don't hit a ball to me. Like, you know, I, I just feel like they are the opposite of the platoon, right? If one guy could just hit and one guy could just um, play defense, they'd be perfect. But that's not how the game's working. Pretty bold there. Uh, Chow TV. Chow Chad TV. Chad, said, yeah. Said that the is going to be his number one prospect when Jackson Holiday uh, loses his eligibility. I think that's a, a bold call. Yeah. Cleveland and outfielders always seem to be a real fun mixed bag once they get Thank you. promoted into the majors. Absolutely. So, you know, until I, last year though, or was it last year or two years ago? Uh, Cleveland had a decade plus without developing a legitimate yeah. outfielder, and then they had five. And if you want to put Alex Call in that, they had six within one season that became regulars for at least a period of time. And then Will Benson confirmed the sixth last year. Um, after the trade, of course, but still like a prospect that they had uh, developed. But it's an annoying Del- both. Yeah. Yeah. Delata, yeah. I think, whatever. He's got potential, but he's also got massive injury concern, which somebody had mentioned in the Plazo podcast Discord, which um, you should all join. And then there's a Patreon that I was told was $3 a month. And I mean, come on, even in Canadian, that's under $5. How can you not <laughs> join for all that value? And that's the plug. Um, so, my other two, because I do have Chase on the list. I've got uh, uh, Rokio. I took him over Manzardo. You want an MLB type ready guy, Sam? You talked about that already. We already favor that with our big three. Um, but Rokio is a defensive guy. He is the perfect second tier dynasty shortstop. Um, he's going to put the ball in play versus popping out, which means he could have a few more RBIs. Uh, also could end up with double playouts, you know, whatever, let's be positive. He'll have more RBIs. Um, he's not necessarily going to steal 15 bases with consistency, uh, but the trade-off could be that he's on base and he gets you some runs because the OBP is not, you know, sub 300. Uh, so I like him for that. Switch hitter is also great for Cleveland uh, because they like a cheap guy that they can slot in somewhere. So he's not going to be in and out of the lineup. 
Uh, and then the other guy, and I mean, this is just, this is part of my sickness. Um, Daniel Espino, I'm not gone. I am not gone on the Espino train. Uh, is he the next Honeywell? And that's in like what Honeywell's currently doing, or is he still a starter? At 23 and 24, uh, he's got lots of career ahead of him. The heater's going to be there. If the secondaries are solid like they were before, he could be right back up. And again, same like same deal as Meyer. He got hurt. He was a top 10, you know, budding guy, got hurt. Boom, 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 tumble down. He goes, then you get the draft. Boom, 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 down the prospect list. He goes even further. Uh, Espino is dropping. And I traded him last year, week one, with some other legitimate players in a contracts league. And I got back Juan Soto. And I, oh, uh, who else was it? Shoot, that doesn't matter. Brady House was the other big guy in that deal. Those two and some other pieces for Soto. And I felt like it was theft at the time. And then Espino got hurt. And I, I messaged the guy. I told him, I'm so sorry. I like, I know we're not backing out of this trade, but if you don't want a Spino at some point, I will happily trade you like, you know, Mick Abel, my next guy. Cause I still think that a has got it. So mm-hmm. I'm believing. I'm glad you apologized and said, sorry. I, that make me, makes me Did feel you need that. Do you want me to say who's too? I can say I was up on the roof. <laughs> so I want to challenge house. you a little, a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling uh, Manzardo a lot more than Rocchio, Rocchio, and I, I'm not rooting against him. I hope that he's able to stick, but I don't think his mm-hmm. bat is going to translate to being a major league bat. I think he's going to be a platoon player or end up being uh, a bench glove eventually. I don't think Cleveland uh, puts their juice in with him. I, I could be wrong, but I'm 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 not as in on him. And I got the fortune to see a Kyle Manzardo interview in person at a the. Uh, first pitch last November and his mental approach, the way that he talked about how he goes about hitting and whatnot just blew me away at how aware he is of what he's doing with his bat, but not, you know, when people overthink it, like if you were to ask a caterpillar with a hundred legs, like how do you walk? And pretty soon they can't walk it or a centipede. They don't know how to walk because they're thinking about it. And you're afraid that if the athlete thinks about it, they forget how to do what they're doing. He seemed to have this real Zen shit about being athletic and being mental. I think Kyle Manzardo is my number one choice in that organization. I, I I like him more than Chase DeLauter. I think that his bat is major league ready, and I really want to see him get on the field next year for the Guardians. I don't think that there's anybody that's going to stop him second half of next season, and he's going to run after that. But what do I know? I'm not. I'm just the host, the pretty face. So what, what I'm, I I'm always say, happy to be wrong. Yeah. You know, like I I want yeah. the, all these guys to succeed. I just figured for the case uh, for this particular thing. I want the switch hitting shortstop. I'm going to let the bat develop with him. Whereas with Manzardo, he has to hit. Yes. Um, You know, Rocchio Rocchio can rely on defense and learn if necessary, because Cleveland's not going to bring, you know, they don't have the Jose Iglesias in their AAA system. They could bring up if it's all falling apart. He is going to be the guy, you know, they'll move Arias over, I guess, if they need to. Um, But they don't want to rely on Arias because they want to see what Rocchio can do. So whereas with Manzardo, I think it could be, not a churn and burn, but it could be like a, okay, well, we're going to bring you back to AAA. We want to get you right. If, if it's all going right. like poorly, of course, well, um, but you know, prospects, what can you do with them? Right. You can't, you can't live them and you can't shoot them. So, 
But they they are the cheapest asset an MLB team has, and they like to what is it seven hundred and ten thousand bucks they get this year? Um, They like to pay as many of those salaries versus arb guys and free agents. So (laughs) they do serve a purpose to teams like Cleveland, especially. Yes, yes. So I I will say I will say quickly on Manzardo. Last year he went through some pretty heavy family stuff. Yes, that really affected his mental health, and he took. Took some time away mentally because he knew he wasn't doing what he needed to do on the field because his mind wasn't in it at the moment. And that's when he got traded, um, which to me, there's there's other things that I could bring up that uh, why I think Tampa Bay is a dick of an organization. Oh. Um, but, but that certainly is one of them. Um, but he ended up doing... I he got himself back on track, came into Cleveland and kind of had to adjust. Now I'm with a new organization. I need to try, you know, understand what they're trying to get me to do, plus then perform. And I think for him, I honestly, if you watched him play in the Arizona Fall League, he was so tight all year. He was having fun down yes. in Arizona. He was yes. finally loose after a really tough mental year. Yes. So. And I, I want to, I want to double down on the Tampa Bay uh, love that you're spreading right there that <laughs> have alienated players, unlike any front office oh, yeah. or, or just as equally as any front office in the majors. And Luke Rayleigh was excited to come to Seattle. So <laughs> well, if, if, if you're a player and you want to come to Seattle, there's something that, that you're dealing with at your home organization. So that's hopefully Tampa Bay I, is, not as bad as we feel. And Tampa Bay was willing to make that deal because they have the belief that they can make an Aaron Savale into whatever Tampa Bay deems he yep. is to them. And at the time they were devastated with arm injuries. Again, like this isn't a trade that would have been made opening day last year. This was an in-season um, yep. somewhat sell low yes. on the Tampa side, uh, which I mean, Cleveland was able to do that with Miami too. And Khalil Watson, which I, I guess maybe I'm getting ahead. I don't know. I don't know. Am I getting ahead? with the next big three <laughs> i was well okay uh yes mike i know jorge polanco is a mariner <laughs> decided if i'm excited about it or not because as i was talking to ben before the show i'm a huge gabriel gonzalez stan i just love that man's bat attitude mental makeup athletic ability we're not talking about the mariners ben hit me with your next three who are the next three up for cleveland that you're excited to be looking at Okay, so my first one is Alex Clemmy, um, guy that they drafted this year, six Left foot there. six lefty, um, and mid nineties fastball. He has touched a hundred already as a pro, which is freaking ridiculous out of the left hand side. Um, but what's interesting to me is he's got a huge curveball, huge fastball, and he goes to Cleveland. Like normally, yeah. Cleveland takes guys that have the command have the secondaries and they work with them to do shape or build up their fastball. Instead, they got, they ended up drafting this guy who's got a huge freaking fastball from the left school. side, no less. And a huge school. curve. Yeah. Out of high school. And they need to teach him command. Like and, and if I may, you if may, if I may, you may, who, who was the last big velo guy they drafted out of high school? Espino. Thank you. Yeah. Thank <laughs> I'm you. Just saying. Thank so you. I, I know he's next... hurting. He's, everybody hates him right now, but I'm just, take, let's take just remember out. this in 18 months. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, look yeah. around the murder room here <laughs> and just take my blood from you back there. <laughs> so 
because uh, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make Chad wait any longer. Um, <laughs> the next guy I have is Jason Churio, um, and to me, to me, watching him, this is the Luis Angel to Ronald Jr. As far as the Acuna boys go, very talented, could still be a major leaguer. He is nowhere near the same skill set as Jackson. Nowhere near. A um, lot of people like it, but he, this, Jason takes a swing like a guy who is swinging for the fences every single time, and he hits a ground ball. Um, that tells you something not so great about your swing. If you are leveraging your swing like a mother and you are hitting the ball into the ground or hitting bloop singles, that's not what you should be doing the way that his swing arches. And you um, hit him five. So what do you like about him? What I like is he's still, I mean, <laughs> legit, when he gets into the box in in uh, batting practice, the kid can send stuff 10 rows deep. I mean, it's just that for some reason in game, and a big part of it is he has really struggled to put that power to to high level breaking pitches and definitely to any premium velocity. Got to get there. I This guy to me has a profile that reminds me a lot of Victor Robles, which is not a good thing. <laughs> That's heavy on not the D. A good that thing. is heavy on the D. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and we'll we'll just leave that comment alone. But I mean, that's get in he's really he's really going to rely on that defense to get him to the majors. He could have a couple seasons. You know, Victor early on had some really fun fantasy seasons, and then just forgot how to take any sort of a walk, and eventually lost his position because the contact skills just didn't stay at two ninety, and they never were two ninety really. Right. Right. Um, so and he wasn't I mean, bad that, at being it either. Like it was no. just, it was just a weird thing that it was like he's not that good, and every prospect circles were all over, yeah, uh, all over him, and for too long, and yeah, once they left, everybody's like, oh no, he could still be a major leaguer. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah fourth outfielder, fourth outfielder. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then my third guy I'm going to bring up is Cleveland's top J15 signee, and that's Robert Arias, um, and. I've only seen a little bit of video on this guy. Outfielder. Swing from the left side is just, he's an outfielder. Um, swing from, he's a left-handed swinger, has a frame that could fill into something nice, but his swing is so jacked up. He's going to get into the Cleveland system. They're going to try and teach him how to swing, which they're going to try and teach him how to be freaking Stephen Kwan. Um, and he's got the frame to actually be a legit power hitter which worries me as far as how he ends up developing. But he has the type of body that could eventually become a rare Cleveland power hitter that they develop if they let him just be. But the swing is going to need some work. You're listening to the Palazzo Podcast. If you're on the crapper right now, don't forget to wipe. We'll be right back after these pointless messages. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to, I want to push back a little bit on Jason Churio. Um, it always worries me when somebody is trying to swing as hard as they can, instead of just learning to swing violently and hard every time, you know, I, those athletes that don't, don't learn to just, you know, I'm swinging for 90th percentile. I'm not swinging as, as hard as I can. I'm swinging hard. I mean, I don't, you know, you don't want somebody swinging up there at 90 percentile and swinging like me or like a Stephen Kwan. Right. But I, I really worry about Jason Churio. And I think that he's somebody that we never see in the majors, except for maybe a cup of coffee. I'm, I hope I'm wrong again, but I'm, I'm that's going to be my pushback on them. Uh, Robbie, give me your bottom, your next three. Who are the next three up for Cleveland? Uh, next three up, we've got the sleeper of the group in uh, Big Willie Dion. Um, and by big, I mean he's 5'10". Uh, he's got a Strowman yep. build to him, but he's from the left side. Uh, he throws Love this him. really cool pitch. It's called the strike. Um, so he's got a <laughs> fastball. He's got lots of movement. So he's, But the fastball is like 91 is kind of what I settled on, like checking various reports and stuff. Uh, but the slider curve changeup, uh, that's where the money is for him, right? So, so he's got a fastball as a setup pitch, not the out pitch. Um, he's not going to overwhelm anybody, but he's been doing good. K to nine uh, needs to make hitters miss more at strike two. So he doesn't become a contact guy or the dreaded like long relief type. When he comes up, he should be able to, you know, I mean, Cleveland just reset their rotation last year with a bunch of minimum wage guys um, prospects they're called, and he's going to have to kind of wait his turn. So that's why I'm not sure exactly what his break in would be, but he should be triple a this year, uh, all of 2024 and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, but he's somebody who kind of came on the scene for me midseason last year when it was a bit of a track record. It was, it was 2021, ninth round pick. So nobody was on him. Screw you. You were not on him. He surprised us all with his um, sheer grit and determination to succeed in life. And I think he's got a lot of baseball left in him, even though 24 AAA is fine. Um, um, yeah, um, we got a hand up in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I owned Will Dion coming into 2023. Just want to throw that out there. That Yeah, it was it was yeah. 2022 that okay. he was appeared to us all. But like <laughs> I drafted him in 2022 in one of my my uh, like big money, we'll call it, Dynasty Leagues. Um, true test MLB Dynasty for everybody out there. Um, and he was one of the guys who I had the most offseason trade offers for. You know, he was the pretend throw-in guy. Oh, well, give me Dion and we'll get this deal done. I was like, no, 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 no. I want to see what he does in 2023 because I really liked what I saw in 2022. So he's he's number, you know, he doesn't have to be number four, but he is. He's number four. And then I've got Alex Clemmy because we're, we're dreaming on him. Um, you know, great high school signing. We already discussed that. Um, I'm going to say, you know, he's the next one. Okay. Um, and then... <laughs> Petey Halpin, the slow burn, oh my twenty double A guy. Uh, I mean, I loved him from the name. We, I also had like on Dingers, we had this really smart guy, Mason McRae, who would come on with us. Um, his father's a college coach. Uh, he's now an employee of the Chicago Cubs. 
And uh, Mason's smart, smart dude. And he he loved him some PD Halpin going into the draft because he had all this fun, exciting data that was not out there for the common man. So when I had this access to this data through Mason, I learned fun things. And he's continued to be good. He's a sleeper amongst the pick and amongst an organization that has sleepers. Um, you know, he's a 22-year-old that'll be a double-A this year, possibly into triple-A. And nobody is excited out of the draft. He had a little bit of that hype, but that's um, that was like Evan Carter was going to be the best of, you know, his draft year right out of the draft. PD Halpin was not in that, like get on him group. He was like D- David Calabrese on the previous, was it the previous? No. Um, whenever it was that we initially talked about some of those weird kind of slow burn guys uh, Halpin's amongst that crew. All right. So there's a couple names in this system that I was Curious about you guys not choosing. I'm going to uh, corner infielder uh, that they just picked up from the uh, Uncle Ted. Hello, Uncle Ted. What's up to you? They just picked up a corner infielder from the Arizona Diamondbacks that looks like he's going to get run in the majors this year. That's uh, Mr. De Los Santos. Uh, any oh, reason you guys didn't Dave like Bison? Uh, name pronunciation was my first issue. For okay. <laughs> you admitted that up front, so I appreciate. I mean, that. yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm cheating by looking here because I was trying to figure out if he was the 23 year old that I was thinking about or the 20 year old. He's the 20 year old. Um, he's he's a rule five guy, and as yes, far as I'm okay, that's where yeah. As far as anything I can find from anyone beyond those who really want to hype up De Los Santos, he is going back to Arizona. Um, he's going to probably give Manzardo someone to fight against in spring and then be sent back oh, to okay. Arizona. That's, yeah, that's I mean, fair. he's just, he's just, he's not a guy who's ready for, for big league time yet. He just, have- he's got so much work to do on his pitch recognition that I think he needs another full year of upper minors. I have a I have a buddy who's a huge Diamondbacks fan that was really bummed out that he got sent to Cleveland and is he he feels a little bit stronger about his ability to stick in the majors and give Cleveland uh, a legit bat off the bench because I, I don't think if they truly give Kyle Manzardo an opportunity and he shows out in spring training I don't think that he's going to come off a of first and I you know Jose Ramirez is not coming off a of third base and so. You know, I see him giving them time off and and playing some DH for him, but I'm interested in him. The other one is a Triple A outfielder, Mr. George Valera. No, um, talk to me about why you don't like him, Mr. Ben. I just, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm kind of sick of him. I, I, yeah, I mean, he was the he was the 2008 J two class, right? That's where he was. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, seriously, <laughs> like, I mean. Valera is hoping to stick in the minors long enough to play with his son. I think that's really where he's at at this point. Wow. That, that, I mean, seriously, I can't. Okay. But I mean, it's prospect fatigue. That's what it is, Sam. It's just, it really, it really is. He's been up and down that ladder and we just don't care anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Florial. Great comparable. He has to absolutely max out his, physicality in order to be something because he's six foot he's six foot he's 200 he doesn't have like the big big levers that could potentially be something he doesn't have i mean he's not built like i mean he's not a mike trout build but he's six foot and 200 so it's not like he's gonna suddenly start stealing 30 bases a year either so it's just 
I, I just, I don't really know what the hell you get from him anymore. You know, he's, I, I watched him a little in uh, AAA this year and he just looks like another guy on the, in the outfield. He just isn't really, he doesn't, st- there was a point where he stood out and you're like, oh shit, this is, this is going to be something, but injuries and whatever has just really knocked him backwards. You think he's found his so. level. So fair enough, yeah. fair enough. So we are going to go into the deepest organization for prospects in the major leagues. I mean, this organization is stacked. We already covered Colorado, Sam. We've covered the Rockies. I don't know what you're talking about. The Rockies have no prospects. They absolutely oh do not God. have the organization. I have, I, I, I love their players. I have no confidence in their front office. Cores, Yes, yes, no, absolutely. no no confidence. I so uh, the, so the deepest one besides the Colorado Rockies is our favorite, the Los Angeles Anaheim Angels, whoever they are. Uh, Robbie, I want you to give me your big three. Who are the three Angels you think we need to be paying attention to in 2024? In a super particular order, Caden uh, Dana, <laughs> right-handed SP, 20-year-old uh, Noah. Schnoel, I'm see. I shouldn't have put Nolan, him on the list. Nolan Schnoel, Schnoel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's already and, the first baseman, and he was drafted in June. So yep. he's an easy case study. Always been great average, great OBP. Played college the same place he played in high school. I don't. I think the report I saw it said he didn't even move. Like it, you know, didn't take a room up in residence. That's great. Um, yeah. So he's he's just he's an OBP guy. So even if he struggles offensively with the Angels, they're not going to move him. Very much like, you know, their shortstop situation, which is why their number three guy for me hurts me, Kyron Paris. Um, Paris, second base is his best option, but friggin' Luis Rangifo um, is blocking him there. And it's too bad because he hits, he steals, he plays good D. He just doesn't have a spot on on that team without an injury. Uh, there is lots of swing and miss, but there's OBP too. Um, he should be able to seal bases. One of the, one of the biggest problems I have is that he could absolutely be buried on the bench because he has the ability to come in and play middle infield. He can also steal a base when you need him later in the game. So you don't want to throw that down in the minors. If you want it up at the MLB level, like if the angels want to win 65 games this year, they're going to need Paris coming in, in the seventh, the eighth, ninth, stealing a base, um, you know, having two or three guys getting hit by pitches so we can move over to third. And then hopefully, you know, like Homer uh, in the big game gets hit in the head so they can drive in that run. Uh, they're going to need offense is what I'm saying. Um, because at, yes. yeah, at some point, Anthony Rendon is going to stub his toe and be out for the year. And if not, he's just going to be a cancer in that clubhouse. And Paris doesn't, I don't think he's the third base option there. So I don't, I just, I love him and I want to bank on the skills but I don't see it happening with the angels outside of an injury, which happens every year, but those are the guys I'm not, I'm not discounting Paris as I have with other guys because of the organization. Um, because I, I just really like all the fantasy things he does. All the tools are there. He just doesn't have a spot. What now you put Caden Dana ahead of Nolan and, yeah. uh, it's very uncommon that we get somebody who's drafted and immediately debuts in the majors or makes his, his major league debut the same year calendar year that he has drafted. Um, why do you like Caden Dana? Talk a little bit about him. 
So this goes back to the special place in my heart for the high schoolers drafted. And really it's become drafted mid rounds the year before. So it's the over slot guys who opted out of their uh, college commitment. Um, he had like, he did have a fatigue break last year, but he also pitched 70 innings. And I did kind of allude to this earlier where sometimes the prep arms pitch us a lot more than we think they do. Sometimes they're on two teams uh, that, you know, they pitch once a week for team a, and then they have a different kind of thing they do where they pitch once a week for team B. Sometimes it's high school and travel ball. That's a very common thing where the innings aren't accounted for, but once they get into a real professional organization, if we want to call the angels that, they start to really track the arms and the bullpens and they count all of it. Mm-hmm. And they don't want the guy to, you know, go too hard, go too far. And this is a six, four, two fifteen will be 20 year old this year. Um, he's got a huge ceiling and I, I just don't see like as much as, you know, we got a, a legit first baseman uh, who not, I, he's not necessarily a 30 home run guy. So I'm not saying we've got, you know, Todd Helton, uh, the next one out West, I like the idea of Dana being an SP one too, and it and it coming up in the twenty seven season, you know, realistically. But right now he's totally in uh, dormancy mode in in fantasy baseball. Like people kind of know about him in your really deep leagues, and I'm hoping I can successfully scoop him up. I've got a draft starting February first. I've got a universal draft starting February fifth, and if I don't get him in the first because some a hole listens to this that's in my league and takes him <laughs> on me just to be a dip, which happens, do it. Um, I'm just gonna jump early on the league, like on the one that's a universal draft in the fifth, and I'll probably get four messages after I pick him with like, oh, he was in my queue, you know, 200 spots back, but he was in their queue. So I just I got a feeling on on Dana because it's it's he's the guy, right? They draft a million college players and yeah exactly ron washington <laughs> so uncle ted says all that matters is that the angels have ron washington and all the rest of it's gone um oh, for, forget queen otani wash and trout it's on like donkey kong i, I mean yeah <laughs> sure yeah the other the other thing is washington can teach anybody to play first base so he might just move known right off the position anyway so that's it with dana it's really just like I've been, like I said, I've been down the wormhole with the the prep arms and I'm stuck. So I like them. Okay. It's going to stay like that. (laughs) I like like your picks. Ben, why don't you hit me with your big three? All right. So I have Shenwell and uh, a little stat for you guys. He had the most plate appearances for someone in their draft season since Bob Horner in 1978. More than we're uh, just on Olerud? More than Dave yeah. Winfield? Yeah. Oh, in Olerud was up in his draft year? Oh, oh I didn't know. the very end of his draft Winfield year. never yeah. played in the minors. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I did but, know that. I didn't but, realize it was drafted the same year. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, um, but. The original Otani. I think Olerud actually is a really good comp as far as the skills are concerned. I mean, if you have Shanwell and you're in an OBP league. Yeah. He's a, a really. He's a really good corner infield type. Yeah, I don't well, know point, that I'd want points him. Points leagues too, Ben, because you're going to get points yeah. for those yep. walks, and then that'll lead to some rounds. Yeah, and, and he is a good doubles hitter. I mean, so in a points league, that's going to help you out in a lot of those type of leagues too. Um, but my other guy that we have in common is Dana, and I don't. I watch him, and I see like, okay, this is going to scare people based on the last year. But yeah, I, know. I see a. I know who you're going to say. I see a Lance Lynn prototype and Lance Lynn for a lot of years was a guy who was a one B type of starter. He wasn't That's your great. ace ace, 
but he was yeah. a really freaking good starter for a long time and just has kind of hit the wall at this point in his career, which that happens to guys. But I, it's who he reminds me a lot of, a lot of really good stuff that could, I think he works quickly on the mound. It's like he wants to get to inning number seven. So he's moving through. He's trying to get guys to ground out because he's like, God damn it, you're making me strike you out. I don't want to do that. Let me get through this. I want to get moving on to the next inning. And it's really fun to watch him. He competes hard on the mound. I love watching a guy that does that. Um, the other guy I have, if this were 1985, Ooh, this is a yeah. this is this is a guy who could have come into the league and been a legit starter straight out or a stud closer, no question. Thing is, now he's it's Sam Bachman, and he's coming in. He's got you know plus fastball, plus slider. Can't stay healthy, but I mean he could touch a hundred with that fastball, and that slider is just freaking ridiculous. And as like I said, in the eighties, a guy with his kind of physicality would have just been pitched until his arm fell off. And then would have come back as a closer throwing 100 and throwing that slider and would have been, you know, a hell of a closer for a few, number of years, still pitching 110 innings a year because that's what we did in the 1980s. But, um, you know, that's – he's – if he could keep his health, I really think there's enough there to be a potential mid-rotation starter. But the floor of that relief prospect – or the relief – end for him is so good i don't i i really like the idea of him potentially contributing to their bullpen in 2024 i i think the yeah. angels have a really interesting bullpen coming into this year and yeah. we'll talk about another member of their bullpen uh later on but i uh you know that was the hard he was one of the hardest angels to really kind of get into to see what the buzz was around him because people are either completely off of him like he's not even in James Anderson's top 400 prospects. So, I mean, oh, I love that. I love that for dynasty because everybody who believes or does the paylist when they like, you know, do a paylist, Sam, and they're, they're like, this is, this is the guy I trust. And they're off on somebody like that, that I still like. I, it's great. I've acquired him cheap in two money leagues uh, over the last year. Um, and you, it's hard to do something like I, Ben did a great job of saying, you know, if you back, back up almost 40 years, this is a normal, this would have been like the high, highly touted guy. Um, but now we've got, you know, there's too much data to say he shouldn't do it, but the angels they're in, you know, right. they're in the Sam Bachman business and, um, he should get another chance this year. And even if it is like, if they said he's going to, he's a starter long-term for them, they brought him up out of the pen, but whatever put them back they don't like to also have their guys at triple a that are going to come up they've they've really hammered it home last year it's you're you know you're a trash panda or you're in the show and if like if you look at their minor league system right now they have they have built a failed mlb lineup as their triple a lineup clearly they are not trying to put their prospects in triple a pitchers might be different but they have been promoting from double a up and bachman was also one of those guys double a up and in so I'm I'm still with him. I'm glad he's in my next three, but I, I'm so glad you you also agree. Well, that's um. Hey, I feel like I've learned a bunch about a couple of players tonight, and he was one of them that I was like, "Why the hell do you have him so high?" He's 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 an interesting case, so I will be paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I like I like Sam's. You know, you can never have too much Sam, as far as I'm concerned. So, like, 
Sam Bachman and me, we're now, we're now, you know, thick brothers. Yeah. yeah. Brothers in arms. Uh, all right. Who are your next three? You said your number six was Sam Bachman. So who are the other two that you have up in your next three? Uh, I, are you want Ben go me to go? I've got Bachman no. in my next Ben. Yeah. I want you to no. go. Bobby. Okay. Uh, so I have one angel in my outfield and that is David Calabrese who I did accidentally tip my hat to, uh, earlier when I was talking helping, um, when I, you know, go through the show in my head, and then have my angel dust. Sometimes things get a little foggy for me. Anyway, uh, so he's a 21-year-old lefty from the 2020 draft as well, the COVID draft, if you will. Um, and he came along slow. Uh, also, he's a Canadian. So, yeah, yes. I mean, that... Uh, he's, take off, he's, eh? Well, he's going to take off to the majors. Um, but imagine being a 20-year-old in AA, uh, seeing most of your teammates getting promoted to AAA, uh, drinking alcohol after the game, maybe some during, uh, and you're not. And they told you before the season, hey, David, you're going to play here all year, and we don't care how you do. All the pitchers are going to be about four years older than you. Figure it out. Um, that that was DC, a uh, new nickname, okay? Or DCC, David Calabrese, Canadian. Um, and in 2023, it was just go out and play. He added some pop, which is obviously coaches trying to get in with him. Uh, Lessen the stolen base. That was something previously we kind of were looking for with that, you know, potential five category fantasy guy. But we're going to see as he repeats double A this year, where he'll only be 21, what he actually has and what he can offer for the team. And if he gets promoted to triple A, I'll be confused as hell because everybody else in AAA, as I mentioned earlier, is a former major leaguer with several years. So I really think that Calabrese could go, um, like, I mean, whatever. We know Joe, we know all the Joe Adele, Mickey Moniak stuff um, about their outfield situation, but I think he could be double A and up if the if it suits. And the other guy is Barrett Kent, 2023 eighth round pick, 6'4", 215, a bonus baby, High school arm. I think I've said this already. Um, he is Dana Light. Maybe Dana's equal. Uh, coming coming at it from the right side. If his slider stays as his best pitch, which is something that Dana's going to need to do, is work really hard at getting a good changeup. Um, Kent is in the same same position because when you're really good in high school, you don't have to worry about throwing a slider because you just blow up by everybody anyway. Uh, he's going to need to sort that out. And he needs to be able to stay high with the velo because he did have an issue where he was dropping velo uh, as games progressed last year. Uh, but he really needs to just work on, obviously, longevity within his starts. Um, I'm taking the wait and see approach. Sorry, I took the wait and see approach with with Dana last year, left him off most draft boards. Now I'm going to be scooping back, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Kent, I'm not going to wait. I want to have him on my dynasty rosters. It could be the back end of any of your drafts, first year player drafts, or you know, if you just do a prospect draft usually these guys don't get picked up because there's too many other pieces out there. Um, and like all the college ball or sorry, all the college players that are going to be around him in pro ball, because that's what the angels normally draft, you know, that they had the one draft 18 or 19 college oh, yes. uh, pitchers and one high schooler. They, they only do this a couple times. So they see something in both of these guys, not circling back to Dana specifically, but you know, Kent, um, they've got, they've got something. They feel like they've got something. They paid him because they think he can be something. And I would rather be, um, late round draft pick lost on him, then find out, oh crap, he, I really should have been in on it because it it took like he's part of that six four two fifteen club the Angels have with the high schoolers. I like it. Now, Ben, you had him at number five, uh, your yep. next three or number two, however you want to look at that. Yep. Why don't you give us your top and your third uh, next three up? 
Okay. Well, just quick, I can't. I had him that he has as high a floor as I've seen in a high school arm. I think that guy just oh, great. Spill, great just spells spells a middle mid rotation starter, and if he can do some things with the fastball, that's gonna allow him to be better because he lands all four pitches well right now. It's a matter of being able being knowing how to shape them, and then maybe getting a ticket on top of the fastball could help him there. But I, I love the floor on it, which is a really weird thing to say about a high school pitcher. But you know, that's I think that's a rare thing to ever hear about a high school pitcher. Yeah. I mean, he's like, just, he's got a very repeatable delivery. I just, I like him. I, th- I think barring injury, of course, of that course. changes this. That's a kid that he should make the major leagues like that, which is really tough to say about a high school pitcher. Um, I've so said my, it like eight times tonight, Ben. Don't worry about yeah, it. Well, I'll say, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so the guy I have, and honestly, I really struggled not to have him in my top three, but uh, Nelson Rada is, I really, he was, I believe he was the youngest player in the 2022 international class. Um, And so he played all of 23 in full season ball at 17 years old. That's freaking elite. Um, And he still put up a 395 on base and he stole 55 bases at 17 years old that's insanity to me favorite um, part of that uh one for one k to walk yeah and that's like, i was just gonna say the like his contact skills his pitch recognition for a 17 year old in full stop season talking ball, about him i don't want anybody to pick him <laughs> up anywhere can you stop <clears throat> yeah well you don't think I, they know they know <laughs> this i don't want to have it no we we haven't seen, and and I mentioned this guy before when when I was talking about Kova to Sam before the show, but we haven't really seen what Enrique Bradfield Jr. will look like as a pro. But if he puts up these kind of numbers, this is what you're expecting to see Bradfield be able to do as a pro, and it, this kid is doing it at 17 in full season ball. That's that's freaking impressive to think about, yeah. Because. I mean, yeah, maybe he's a five home run guy, Max, as a major leaguer. But you know what? That speed and the defense, what I was really impressed with, I saw very, I saw some fun, you know, Cal League outfields. I got to say, it's like trying to play Tal's Hill in Houston, some of those outfields. And that's just naturally the way that they're sloped. Um, you, you get a real good head of steam going from left to right in some of those fields because of the way that the outfield is sloped. It's, it's scary. But, he handled the outfield in the Cal League really well, and he got just impressive jumps. Like I said, for a 17-year-old kid, this kid's going to be a legit defender. Um, so I, I like him a lot with, sadly, here comes another floor thing. When you can play great defense and you got a hell of a lot of speed, you've got a major league job someday in the outfield. Right. As long as you don't completely fall apart. So, um now, my last guy here uh, is my international pick, and I will say this is the guy who got paid the most of any of the uh, guys that we're talking about tonight, and I like him by far the best. Uh, I'm going to fuck up this first name. Joshua Lugo. Um, but Lugo is easy. I got Lugo, but Joshua yeah. 
Why I think skip? is what you go. He's yeah, yeah. listed as a yeah. as a shortstop. He's already six three at one ninety. I like, don't of course think... he's a shortstop, right? He's I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think he's playing any shortstop as a pro. But and and for those of you who remember uh Diamondbacks and Tigers prospects, Dawa Lugo, that's his brother. Um oh, so top one hundred. He's a top one hundred so then. There you go. He's got right blood, there. he's got the bloodlines. He's got bloodlines. Uh but <laughs> but he is uh, he got 2.3 million, so that's the highest bonus of any of these guys we're talking about. But in mm-hmm. my opinion, just watching what I could see of him, this is a guy who is a top five guy from the J15 class this year, as far as dynasty owners and who you should be looking at. There are some guys who probably are better baseball talents and will maybe have a better baseball career than this guy. But I think as far as fantasy is concerned, he's a top five. Um Lots of power and speed. Uh, the only question is, is where he's going to end up defensively. He's got enough arm to where he could work in third or in a corner outfield spot. And I think he's going to develop enough power to be that kind of a player to play at a corner outfield spot. But this is a guy that could end up being a, a big power and, you know, double digit speed for you. That's, that's a really valuable freaking player. But he's fun. He's fun to dream on right now. Yeah, well, he's that young J two player that, like we were just talking about, you never know if that lottery ticket's going to cash in. And uh, so. you know, uh, I I can't hope for it because he's a he's an angel. But I, I I hope for it. You know, I hope he ends up making it happen. I'm real curious. You guys, uh, neither of you talked about a volunteer that got uh promoted oh. <laughs> I know where you're going 105 miles an hour mm-hmm. where was Ben Joyce on your guys's list why did we leave him off I think he's in the left-handed batter's box like most of his fastballs so <laughs> <laughs> I I just have this fear because we've seen it with some other younger MLB arms um that he's not going to get the closer job like certainly not whatever call it the next two years and um you don't want to recommend somebody go out and get a guy who can only be out of your bullpen and isn't going to close and then you're getting into like the niche of niche well if you're in a holds leagues um you know that's your that's your guy i don't think the value for dynasty is there like certainly for flash like that he looks great you know like he's gonna um give up some monster dingers at times probably when someone catches up to that bullet but uh it's just not like the value's not going to be there until he can really wipe somebody out. Like if he could somehow create this like silly looping, you know, 12, six curve or something that could throw everybody off um, that would be great. But otherwise I don't think the values there, especially when he is absolutely reliever. Like there was a Cleveland guy. I can't remember the name right now. It was drafted um, somewhere in the seventies. I think he was like a comp round um that's kind of not a similar idea but he was a college guy who's just going to be an rp and i thought about maybe mentioning him but same same idea until you know where the where they're going to be in that bullpen and like they've got jose soriano who has uh is it jose soriano is that the, yeah he was like a rule five first overall pick like three years ago went to the pirates everyone's like oh this guy and then he got hurt and then ended up back with the angels he's successfully in that bullpen now um, there's always $2 million relief pitchers that can come in and block. So it's just really cloudy what uh, Joyce could become as much as it's fun, but you can't like, like I can in good conscience, go tell somebody I would go acquire him. He's locked in. 
Like he's if you drafted him high, that was a bad idea. But yeah, I don't I don't think that he's a guarantee for the closer. I mean, obviously, those are all good points for closing. I I think he ends up becoming their closer. I think he's got. Mm-hmm. I I like but him. when. Do you think uh, that's a student? Like is that twenty five? Yeah, so do you think and, it could be next year? Yeah. Yeah, and in in a lot of the dynasty leagues I, I play in, uh, there are a lot of sold leagues that I'm in. They're not traditional saves. That seems to be most of the redraft. Yeah, it's far more common now. Saves, right? And yeah. so I would say uh, in those leagues, especially, you know, if it's a saves only league, no, it it he's I hundred percent agree with you. But if you're in a sold league, uh, ooh, nice angle, Robbie. I like Thank that you. much better. I wanted to see more alcohol behind me. Here, here we go. I'm one for everybody too. Okay, no, Ben, you go lower. Ben, lower to the pants, to the pants. Okay, and this is why you watch us on YouTube. <laughs> so no, see here, guys. This oh, is here what I got. Up. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Good on you. I love that logo. I love that thing. My um, favorite. You just said, yeah. Sam, you just said Dynasty. Um, I I heard on one of the the big shows. I guess we'll call it, if we're the prospect on on the big show for Palazzo. There is talk about a Palazzo dynasty startup. And I mean, I highly encourage everybody to reach out to whoever our point man will be on that. And we should set that up on the most honest fantasy website I can think of. And that's (laughs) fan tracks. And I would more than happily. The only one part commissioner. Yeah. The, yeah, they are the best for dynasty and there is no competition. Um, I think it was two or three years ago. I was on a CBS one. They didn't even have all the, we were in, in our first year player draft. Yes. Forget who the top 10 pick was. They didn't even have them on the friggin' system yet. And I was emailing, no response, of course, right from CBS. Uh, But Fantrax, they've got, I got my boy, Nathan at Fantrax. Now I don't have a personal relationship with him. He's not changing my lineup for me is what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) But I send them an email about something in one of the many leagues I commission and he's, you know, tell walks you through yeah. how to fix it. He tells you what you need to do. Uh, it you p- pay a premium fee for the service, but you get the service. I would love if we were able to get like if anyone wants to do thirty teams, I'm I'm there. That's my kind of dynasty. Okay, uh, I'd be excited. We get to, we could talk. We could have a podcast about hashing it out with the people that want to be in that league as to format and all that kind of crap. Oh, it'd be fun. If we want to get into the you know the nuts of auction. I'm excited. Well, there you so, go. You heard it here, folks. Yeah, there you he go. wants to have nuts right in his face. So, oh, oh my God. When I get out of here and hop upstairs. <laughs> oh, wait. What were you talking about? <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Different so, nuts. Different yeah. nuts. That's Chad, right. That's right. Chad's talking about uh, Zach Joyce, who was drafted this year for the, for the uh, Angels. Zach doesn't have the same stuff, but. Zach had to go through some mental health shit in uh, in his time, left baseball altogether for about a year, and then came back and pitched with Tennessee. He's an upper 90s guy, uh, oh. but but he actually can feel his, his uh, breaking pitch and his off-speed pitch. He actually knows how to locate those, which is already giving him a leg up on Ben, um, but I, I think that's a step too far, but that's a whole nother... Well, um, and then here's another one Chad brought up that I'll I'll bring this up that uh, Levon Soto. Yeah, and I will tell you, I loved Levon when he was with the Braves. I loved him still with the Angels. Fun guy defensively. Talking to, uh, if if 
those of you who watched our three and three last year, when we had the angels on, we had a gentleman who goes by the name Taylor Ward. Uh, he's not the actual outfielder, but he is uh, a guy who actually covers the angels and you'll see him a lot on Twitter. He does a tremendous job covering the team. And he and I got into a discussion back and forth once. And he said, Ben, anyone I talk to at the team just simply says it's some of the weakest contact in the system. Um, and that's sadly really played out throughout Levon's minor league career. I mean, he's, he's hit nine home runs last year, but he also played in the PCL and hit eight of those. Um, so I, I just, yeah, he can, when he's, he's could be an on base guy. He can play. He has a great glove. I just think this is a guy who, to me, should be behind Kyron Paris as far as the bench role in for the Angels. And so, and they're not giving Paris a freaking shot. So that really tells you how much of a shot they're going to give Soto. So, yeah, he's too far back on the depth chart, and he's just going to get a steady diet of fastballs because he's not supposed to hit him hard. So, when the average looks good, or, you know, you, you think you see a stat line, it's very similar to um, a guy who we're, you know, uh, Jose Iglesias is a comp. No, Iglesias, uh, I think, was able to put the ball in play more um, and, and like, excellent, excellent defender. I would say yeah, uh, Reese McGuire comp, and that's with the MLB <laughs> experience because when Reese McGuire first came up, he had uh, he wasn't crushing Babbitt, but he had a really good average and ended his rookie season still rookie eligible. So in that offseason, I forget if that was 19, whenever it was, um, everyone was really excited about Reese McGuire. I'm talking about a catcher. What am I doing? Um, they, they were just excited because they thought, hey, he could hit for the average. We didn't think he could. Well, no, then it came back down to reality with it. And then he got caught realized, with his nuts. In a I was just going to say. Yeah. Was gonna say <laughs> wasn't he empty? Yeah, Reese is a guy who who things went was, up and then things went down, and he tried to he, keep them. I mean, we've all and I've done the jokes a million work. times. He was touching oh his Reese's pieces, you know. Oh my God, you guys are off the rails. I'm here for it. <laughs> we don't know how to end a show, so we just do well, this. That's, well, that's what I'm here for. Hey, uh, we are so, at the end of our prospects power hour. Actually, it's been an hour and fifteen minutes. Uh, I just want to again say. Uh, on your screen to my left is at Big Gentle Ben. Uh, and below me is at uh, Robbie Baseball One. I am your guest host today at Sam FBB One. Uh, if you want to uh, subscribe to us on Twitter, yeah, I'm right above you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just stare into the light, man. You can see I'm listening. My face. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. If you want to interact with us on twitter we're at palazzo podcast uh ben real quick i want you to tell the people what we've got going on on wednesday so wednesday is going to be a busy day for us with the prospect show uh at two o'clock eastern two we're gonna we are going in the middle of the day so you know save your lunch hour and uh join us instead uh we are going to be chatting with baseball america's key international guy ben Adler. Um, we're going to be talking J15. We're going to be talking kind of how we got to be January 15, which, you know, yeah, COVID, but why has it stayed there? Um, things like that. And just a lot of the international market, both this year's class and the international market in general. I think it's going to be a really fun 
podcast. Must for those, watch. yeah, for anyone who really wants to know what's going on and how to how to track these type of guys for dynasty, this is going to be a podcast to watch. Then at seven o'clock, I believe Eastern that that night, um, Mike VA, who's been uh, commenting along the side here, um, Mike and Eric from Birdland. Uh, one of he joined us last year on the Orioles show. The guy knows Orioles probably as well as anybody out there. Those two guys are going to join at least me. I maybe Govier. I don't know, but uh, for sure we're going to chat about the Baltimore Orioles system because, quite frankly, Robbie and I could have talked for a ninety-minute show just on the Orioles and left yeah. players off. <laughs> There's because, the oh, deep league. There's yeah, the organization. I mean, this this is stacked. this is a system. Like I said, I I was telling uh, Sam before I I started following prospects when uh, my favorite team had a guy who was on there for two years in a row, and that was Andrew Jones. Uh, he was the number one guy for two years in a row. So I've been following BA's lists now for about thirty years, and I've never seen a team pull off three different number one prospects in a row in the offseason list. That's never happened. This team has as much depth as I can ever remember a system having. Now, we all love the Dodgers system in what it can produce, but the Dodgers system doesn't even have this much depth. And that's saying a hell of a lot right now. Yeah. Um, I just, I love watching Robbie looking up at me right now. This is hilarious, but (laughs) I'm going to put a picture of you up here for the future. (laughs) (laughs) But that, but I think that should be a really fun show as well. And we're going to get into, like I said, one of the deeper systems, but here's a question that I I'm already planning to ask both Eric and then Mike as a, an Orioles fan, when are they going to use them? When are they going to use these guys finally in a trade that does something for them for like more than a just pitcher. half a season? They're not. Yeah, like a pitcher. Like a, they're not. You know, that organization is not trading those prospects because if they were that's the it, problem. would have done it this offseason. Yeah, you and that's really won the AL East. Go out and spend your miners' capital and make a winner. You have one of the best. The, the roster is sick. Yeah. So I, I, I personally, I think uh, a guy like Joey Ortiz is a major league starter at shortstop right now for somebody. Yep. And quite frankly, Joey Ortiz in Miami is starting at shortstop. That team does not have a shortstop better than Joey Ortiz. We didn't right even now. mention Jacob Amaya with uh, the Marlins yeah. and uh, because we don't need to, um, but he's a yeah. former Dodger that moved over and I'll talk to you now, Sam. And um, <laughs> I just, uh, I keep getting offers for him in a particular um, contracts dynasty league. And the guy's like, he's going to start in Miami. I said, even if he does, I don't want him. I don't want, you know, 1.75 fantasy points per game from this guy at peak. Yep. Right. And that's just it. And, and Ortiz is not a guy who's going to give you elite fantasy skills. But his defense is freaking elite, and he could do something offensively, which is not what they get from anybody else. So that type of a guy going to Miami, bringing back somebody out of Miami's staple of pitchers, 
would be huge for them, but they're yep. not willing to do that kind of a trade, which is just stupid to me. But anyway, we'll get into this t- type of discussion on Wednesday. I think it'll and be a really fun talk. I really hope you keep Mike from exploding. I can't imagine <laughs> to talk about his Orioles. Yeah. Oh gosh. Are he's, you watching Mike? Did we, did we lose you already? I know you're looking forward to the prospect conversation. We can't wait to see yeah. joy on your face because the team you love has some real shit going on. And when I say real shit, I mean really good stuff. So, uh, some, just some, uh, quick, uh, production notes real quick if you are listening to us afterwards when this is a podcast and you want to leave us a five-star review because we've entertained and educated you please do so (laughs) if you uh haven't already hit subscribe either on our youtube channel or wherever you can find us uh we are here for you uh we talked a couple times about mental health and i just want to say my dms should always be open. I don't know about you guys, but if you need to talk to somebody about life or baseball, like reach out, you know, life's good. We're looking forward to having baseball this year. And if you need to be brought into the light, surrounded by love, you know, we love people and we love baseball. So amen. And if you have automotive issues uh, or you like trucks, (laughs) well, my DMS are always open. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, or if you just want to slap it with some nuts, I mean that works. Right? Too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm here for nut talk. I don't want pitchers, though. Oh, Thank you. I'm married rails. to a girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Next time you guys listen on Wednesday, make sure you're buckled into your seats. Have your seatbelt on. Put on a helmet. Be ready. It's. It, we have no idea what's going to happen. Well. Again, with Ben and with Robbie, my name is Sam, and we'd like to thank you for spending your time this evening with us. Peace and love. Power prospects is a curious thing. Make a person trade everything for a king. Why in Langford is your one true love? For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of prospects. That's the power of prospects. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.